won't sugarcoat the fact that today is not going to be a light topic, but it is an important topic to bring attention to some abuses under the guise of witchcraft, which is still happening today. This was not just centuries ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, I feel like we always kind of coat the stories we cover in, you know, old timey. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> the fact that it happened a long time ago makes it a little easier to swallow sometimes. Yeah, unfortunately, it's something that is still happening today. In Ghana, there have been and still exist witch camps mm. where they send mostly women who have been accused of being witches. Oh, boy. Yeah. OK, I see. We're going to get into it today. So it's a little dark today, but it is important. And we're in for some facts, some hard, mm. cold statistics today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Rituals, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm M. Schultz. And I'm Christine Schieffer. Every week, we'll explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. So I know we've discussed witchcraft a few times here, also in That's Why I Drink, also in our general friendship. Also during sleepovers. <laughs> yeah, whenever we can, really. But most of the time, the darker parts, as you were mentioning earlier, they feel more like history lessons yeah they're just like super far removed or it's easy to just say like oh well that was forever ago and now we can look back on it with a with a full 2020 hindsight mm -hmm. but unfortunately the witch camps in ghana are still happening and i feel grossed out to say that i was unaware of them until recently well i'll join you uh, on that side because i also don't know anything about them it's quite a topic, so I'm glad we're in the know now. So let's crack into it. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. We talk about the occult all the time, but there is mm. a dark side to the topic. What happens to... Hmm. I guess what bothers you most, is there anything that bothers you about the dark side of the occult and spiritualism? If I'm understanding the topic today correctly, the dark side is more just that this has been used kind of like in the, the witch trials we know about to mm -hmm. accuse people who are maybe different or are, I don't know, less high up in society. So I wonder, is that kind of the dark side we're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, then it bothers me a lot. <laughs> yeah, <of> well, uh, <laughs> I'm not a fan. Well, also, I mean, the dark side in general, I feel like I'm learning about the dark side so much later in life than I expected to, because I think 
up until now, the, the dark side of witchcraft was just whatever television told me. And I'm right. pretty sure that all of those tropes need to be unpacked yeah. and unlearned. So now as a grown up, it's not just like, oh, there's a evil warlock on TV. Now it's like, oh, there are witch camps in Ghana. So Right. This is a real thing happening to real people. It's not just like made up stuff to fear monger. Yeah. 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 The parts that were not being addressed that should have. So mm-hmm. as for that, I don't totally understand the full scope of the dark side to witchcraft as much as we talk about it, because I think it's something that's an ongoing lesson for me. Mm-hmm. And it's always a bummer every time. And (laughs) (laughs) would you look at that? (laughs) I mean, and you're totally right. They're usually women, but whenever they're put in a poor, you know, situation of society, usually it's more likely for them to be accused or attacked of these things. And it's just never Mm -hmm. good. And Mm -hmm. over our time covering witchcraft, how often would you say it happens that witchcraft has been weaponized against innocent people? Man, it's just never ending, isn't it? It doesn't I was going to say a hundo percento, I think. A hundo percento. It doesn't even matter what. It's just one of those things that you can turn so easily into fear mongering, into making someone else seem like the other. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just endless. What do you think about the fact that there's a need for activism around spiritualism and like just letting people? believe what they want or leaving people alone when you know just because you're accusing them of something yeah yeah or like even kind of revamping the name of spiritualism that i feel like yeah you said got such a bad rap for so many i was gonna say years but probably like centuries centuries. (laughs) yeah no i mean it's kind of weird to think about but then again as we've done you know true crime stories for so long, I feel like I've learned there is a need for activism in basically every field (laughs) under the sun. What a good point. Yeah. Ultimately, it doesn't surprise me, but it is kind of an interesting thing to think about that isn't necessarily the, you know, first thing on my mind. Yeah. When you think of activism and like spiritual beliefs, they don't usually go hand in hand. Yeah. Or if they do go hand in hand, it's never based in other religions to me. It's always like pro-choice or pro-life. And I feel like those are like activism and spiritual beliefs and that's where they meet and that's kind of it i don't ever think of it in terms of like a revamping like you said of Mm. other belief systems and giving them you know the space they've always needed to be understood space yes yes so anyway i think unfortunately it is still necessary which it shouldn't have to be but here we are well i will say even though i led on pretty quickly that this is a heavier topic Mm-hmm. There is some good news at the end of the episode. So, oh, oh, well, thank God. Just to bring a little levity to the darkness of all of this. Okay. So let's talk about the witch camps of Ghana and let's all learn together. So the West African country of Ghana is a pretty religious country. A little over 10 years ago, almost the entire population was actively involved in some sort of world religion. I think it was 96%. Whoa. With more than half of them being Christian. Okay. Okay. But there's also a widespread belief in witchcraft. Uh-huh. And also, if more than half of the country is Christian, I feel like the more Christian you are, the more likely you are to also believe in the devil's doing or the devil's right, work being right, at play. Right, because they go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think if more than half the area was Christian, witchcraft was something to be afraid of. So Makes sense. 
A researcher on this topic found that the problem with Ghana's belief in witchcraft is that there really isn't an exact definition of what witchcraft is, which... Well, that's dangerous. (laughs) That's a very insidious problem. Uh, Yes. Where basically believers can agree, and by believers, I mean mainly Christian believers, but if you're religious at all, witchcraft can just mean any version of causing harm for the most part. Mm. So in many African cultures, someone who interacts with spirits, and that's it, is considered a witch or a wizard and is someone who uses their powers for evil. Oh. So just any version of spirituality scares the masses or scares the people who don't believe in that kind of stuff. Sure. Which I feel like that's pretty worldwide. I feel like if you... Yeah. Like, oh, I'm talking to ghosts or I'm participating in something that you don't understand. How quickly does everyone get scared of that? You know? Yeah. And I think there's definitely in religious groups, especially or traditional religious groups, there's definitely a built in kind of fear of that or a belief that it's a dark negative thing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's been the existence of spiritual healers for a long time. They're also, the British coin term for them is witch doctors. Sure. And they're used to help with solving problems, supporting relationships, and even for general health. Mm. But like I said, there's also this cloud of negative perception that lingers over any spiritual craft. And it's led to dangerous actions, including killings, as we know, because this is not the first time, unfortunately, that witch trials in some version have not existed. So one professor of sociology at the University of Nairobi in Kenya, he said this quote, that witchcraft is in people's minds. If someone loses a job, Westerners assume that it's due to economic conditions or poor performance. And an African is likely to say that someone used witchcraft to make or confuse an employer to hate and sack the person concerned. So basically, it's all about perspective and where you grew up right. and cultural upbringing. And I appreciate that outlook of it, of that witchcraft is whatever you make it. It's just yeah. the opposite of what you are probably inclined to follow is what it sounds like. Right. Or it's just part of your everyday. I know there's other cultures that are not, you know, the United States where they might be more open to it. They might be more close-minded to mm-hmm. it. So it's just kind of whatever you make it, that's the strong presence of witchcraft. That same professor also said that Africa's belief in witchcraft is meant to keep order in society. So for some women in Ghana, if they don't conform to what society expects from them, then they must be a witch. Well, that sounds familiar, too, as far as history goes. Yeah, I certainly don't want to dilute the issue here that's happening in Ghana, but this does seem to be a weirdly universal experience just based on history with witchcraft. It Mm -hmm. feels like... Everywhere you look, someone's had a problem with it, and there is now persecution Persecution. because of it. An expert in development sociology at the University of Ghana believes that witchcraft is used to explain and cope with misfortune where there isn't a clear or rational explanation. Which doesn't totally surprise me because I feel like even to this day, I'll use spiritualism or parts of spirituality to explain why things didn't go the right way. You sure. know, so I mean, I've even said I thought we had been cursed in a very real way, not, you know, being yeah. facetious, but like truly, yeah, I can definitely see how that would be, you know, something pervasive yeah. in the culture. And we've seen this, like we just said, throughout many different cultures, blaming the unexplainable on the supernatural. Mm-hmm. So... We have to remember now that spiritualism often thrives in some of the most underserved and impoverished regions. And if we've learned anything on the show, it's that throughout history, those targeted for witchcraft are typically 
women going through a rough time. So mm-hmm. whether they're widowed or live below the poverty line, if they can't have children mm-hmm. or, you know, just if they are on the outskirts of what society expects for them. Sure. And it's especially in some of the impoverished communities of Ghana. That's no exception. Right. And when someone's accused, at least in Ghana, there are options for that person's, quote, rehabilitation. Yikes. Okay. So, like, they think that, oh, you're widowed, and so now you need rehab because you're a witch. <laughs> Just so we're clear on what's happening. And when someone's accused, Ghana has options for that person's rehabilitation, which is usually handled by local religious organizations. Uh And according to tradition, one can be absolved through confession or cleansing ceremonies. They can go to church. They can accept Jesus as their savior. And if they do all these things and are then again believed to be a witch or that they betrayed their promise Mm. to, you know, their newfound ways, they're killed. Oh, So this reminds me of we just covered the King James episode Mm -hmm. and he came up with this law that was after he even died, where if you're accused of witchcraft twice, you're dead. Yeah, right. You get one chance. You get one chance to prove that we were wrong. And on the second one, if you're accused at all again, we're going to put you to death. You made the good point during that episode of like, well, if you're accused once of this by people who clearly don't like you, Mm -hmm. what are the odds they're going to change their mind and say, never mind? Yeah. Or (laughs) they're already primed to think that way of you. So it's easier to accuse you again. Right. So Ghana seems to have a similar ruling of you get one chance to convert to Christianity. Mm hmm. And if you don't, on the second try, you'll be put to death. But here's the even worse part is, sadly, some don't even get the opportunity for this rehabilitation in the first place. The killing of accused witches is common in parts of Ghana and can happen so quickly that it leaves no time for any kind of investigation. Oh, that's dark. think you're a witch, they can just just put you to death. Take care of it. And in northern Ghana, that's where you'll find witch camps where some of the accused are sent and sometimes they even run to these witch camps themselves and they're to be kept at a safe distance from everyone else. All these witches are put somewhere else just to not be near society. Coming up, now that you know where the witch camps are, let's talk more about what they are and how they came to be. Yeah, this is something I don't know much about and feel like I definitely need to be educated on. It's depressing news, but it's not any sort of groundbreaking news that vulnerable women take the majority of the blame for being witches. Uh Aha, yes, I could probably uh, agree with you on that front. Kick them while they're down. Mm. They're women to begin with, and also... (laughs) They're already down. (laughs) (laughs) The system's already against them, and nothing's looking good. So if they don't Mm. fit in, might as well blame them for witchcraft just for fun. If they don't meet societal expectations, like I said, if they're widows or unmarried or they can't have kids, again, especially in impoverished areas, accusations are much more likely. So. so scary. Just list all the ways that the system is against you. And the more reasons you have, the worse chance you have, I guess, of mm-hmm. witchcraft being weaponized against you. And in northern Ghana and Africa, women can often be sent to witch camps. And some, like I mentioned earlier, even flee there after being accused. And it's speculated that this is to be accommodating to the people who accuse them to avoid an even more deadly outcome. Got it. So it's sort of like, oh, I'll just go straight to this camp so you don't, you know, take further action on me. Okay. Yeah. 
don't hurt me. I will totally comply with your accusation, which is like what a trap anyway, because they're basically confessing to witchcraft if they're saying like, I have to go to this camp, but it's just a way to get out of being killed. You're giving in. Right. And it's sort of like you're signing away any sort of uh, belief that you could be innocent of this just by agreeing to go but you're also sparing your life it's like i feel like we see this so often with these kind of witchcraft accusations like it's a lose-lose mm-hmm. it's a lose-lose you're now coming across as complicit in your accusation mm-hmm. so ghana is the only country in the world with the camps which i'm not kidding you as of a year ago as of may 2021 there were reported to still be almost 500 women and over 40 men housed in witch camps. Wow. Okay. Wow. So very recent. Very still recent. happening. And it's believed that the numbers at one point have reached nearly a thousand in the past. So for it to be around okay. 550 right now, I guess that's better, but yeah. not. Many of the accusations come from their relatives just oh, to make it even gosh. worse. Many are accused of killing their husbands or their family members, and that makes them a witch. So not only are they being accused of witchcraft, they're also being accused of murder, of homicide. Right, but the witchcraft's a thing that's going to get you in the biggest amount of trouble. So when they're being accused of killing their husbands or killing their family members, the main reason for that is because these women are being accused of wanting to take their husband's possessions. So either that's money or heirlooms or property. And the women are in a position with little social protections or anyone to support them. There's also the belief that a woman doesn't fully contribute financially to the households. That's a huge factor for why they would want to take over some of their husband's belongings or why they're just wrong in general and should be accused of witchcraft like oh well they don't contribute enough to the family so they must be a witch this is just infuriating obviously but oh they're not having enough children they're not being a dutiful wife oh they're a widow oh they also aren't contributing financially it's like what do you want by the way every single one of those is such a crisis that was already existing within them like you're not blaming them for something that wasn't already a tragedy to them but like Let's say they just lost their husband. The person they love just had a heart attack on the floor next to them. And now the entire town's saying, you're a witch and you just wanted to take his money. So like on top of your own (laughs) grieving process, now you're worried that you might be put to death or sent away or like, oh, you can't have children. I've never. The infertility thing is horrifying too. Like, right. If somebody, I mean, presuming they want to have a child and they are unable or they haven't made that happen. The fact that now you are a witch because of that uh-huh it just piling on well we'll talk about this in a little bit too but it makes sense why either you know it might be someone who's experiencing infertility or maybe you just didn't want to have kids right and that's a different thing that's like and that on its own is an outlier to societal expectations fringe. right exactly of like oh you want to be independent and you don't believe in the family structure you must be a witch that's You're unmarried whatever yeah. what have you yeah Yeah, it's just on top of being accused of witchcraft, it feels like it's usually paired with a huge crisis they were already dealing with. And now you're just adding salt to the wound. Mm. One example of someone who was sent away for witchcraft was Vivian Salamadu, who lived in one of these camps and talked to reporters about her experience. Whoa. 
And she said she was sent there out of greed from her family because oh. her nephew died and the in-laws wanted the livestock and money that her nephew had left behind. And so they accused her of practicing witchcraft to get her out of the picture so they could have Come all the... on. Which reminds me so much of the stories we've covered on And That's Why We Drink, at least, of men sending their wives to mental hospitals for the Mm -hmm. rest of their life just because he wanted to sleep with somebody else. And he just needed her out of the picture. Yeah, he wanted to move on and needed them out of the picture. That happened so frequently with some of those older, quote-unquote, asylums. Yeah. Where, yeah, the list of things that could get you sent there was, like, womanly problems. (laughs) Like, wow. And, like, even less than that, I think there was one time we saw that, like, a headache or, like, I mean, something that everyone experiences at least once, including the people who send their wives there. I'm sure they've had a headache. It's like undue anger, (laughs) like just excessive hunger or sleeping or like depression or anxiety or like anything could have had them sent there for life. And if a husband just wanted to be done with the family, instead of having to look bad for divorcing his wife, he could just be like, oh, well, she was mentally ill. She had womanly problems, you know, womanly problems. And so people just like Vivian had to deal with this, too, when it came to the witch camps where they were just kicked out of the family to be one less hurdle to deal with when it came to having to collect property or money or whatever Mm. it is. In 2008, there was a survey done by Action Aid that said in one camp, more than 70% of women had been accused after their husbands died. Oh, my gosh. So that's basically a camp full of women grieving together is what that is. (laughs) For more than one reason now. For more than one reason. And that same survey confirmed what we just mentioned, which was that nearly a third of them were not contributing financially. So they were seen as useless to the community. Yikes. So basically the whole town was like, well, your husband is gone and now you offer no value to our. Right. What's the point of you being here? Exactly. So we lose nothing by you being sent somewhere else. But vulnerable women aren't the only targets. I just mentioned this, that outspoken women who maybe didn't want to have kids, maybe women who didn't want to get married, maybe, you know, God forbid, a homosexual, I imagine. (laughs) I don't know. But any outspoken women who didn't fit into the confines of, you know, social structure, they were also accused of being a witch. And women living with mental health disorders Mm -hmm. was another one. I mean, just if you were part of a vulnerable group, you were seen as evil or useless. And for both reasons, you could be a witch, Mm -hmm. which just wild. One doctor who works at the Ghana Health Service and a local psychiatric hospital said they are usually of the people sent to these witch camps or accused of witchcraft. Of those with mental health disorders, it is usually clinical depression, schizophrenia or dementia. That's so sad. I mean, that's, again, like... The dementia one gets me in particular because if you're already forgetful and scared and don't know where you are and now you're just in a camp full of people who aren't your family and, I mean, I just can't imagine. No, it's tragic and it's just, again, I mean, I know we've covered this a million times, but just it's not even just a lack of mental health resources. It's like harming people with Mm -hmm. mental health disorders Mm -hmm. and issues. It's just scary. So... Now that I've caught you up on maybe what they are, you might be wondering, what are these camps like that these Mm -hmm. innocent women and men, by the way, because there are over 40 men in them currently. Mm -hmm. What are they like to have to live in? So 
If you were an accused witch and found yourself in one of these camps, you'd find yourself living in a rural mud hut with a thatched roof. Mm-hmm. There is limited access to food and water. Water was at least three miles away and you would have to walk to go get it. So your basic survival needs are barely being met, if at all. Especially if you're either older or in some way unable to make a trek like that. You know, that's... I can't even imagine like how little accessibility there is. Yeah, sure. Also, this is... I would like to take this moment to say... Remember you mentioning, oh, I can't imagine having to do that if you were older. Uh-oh. So, yeah. On top of all this, you virtually had no help from the government. There was limited basic health care, no education services, no basic health care, no education services. And not to mention there was no real path to getting legal support to falsify these accusations or get yourself out of the camp. You're just stuck there. And the camps don't look necessarily like prisons, but there are guards keeping you in and not letting you leave. So you are still imprisoned. So it doesn't have to look like a prison to be a prison as well. Sure, sure. So in 2021, which, again, only a year ago, the Sine Institute did a research study that found that between the five witch camps left in the country, the exact numbers are that there were 498 women, which might as well be 500, and 41 men. And they are all between the ages of mid-50s to late-70s. Wow. So when you mentioned earlier, I can't imagine having to you know, walk miles to get water if I were older. Right. The youngest is in their mid-50s. That is so interesting. Okay. By the way... I don't know if you could guess this, but they're being abused in every fashion. They're being financially exploited by those that originally accused them. They're also being forced to do physical labor without pay. People in their late 70s every day. So in almost all the camps, there were priests performing rituals to confirm who was a real witch and then performing exorcisms on Mm. the ones they thought were witches to rid them of their witch powers. Oh, my Which, by the way, very interesting. Some of these priests openly admit that they believe most of the people in here are falsely accused. Oh. So the fact that they're doing all of these rituals on people, whether Mm -hmm. or not they're witches, is weird. Also, it's odd to me that priests were able to openly say something that controversial of like, oh, most of the people in witch camps are not actually witches. I feel like that could so quickly land you in a witch camp. Of like, right. You know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah, like it seems like the one thing you're not supposed to say. <laughs> yeah. To like say like, oh, you know, these people are perfectly fine, even though society has deemed them evil. And I feel like if you're a priest saying that, you could very quickly get lambasted as like anti-church anti-christian pro-witch you know (laughs) pro-witch god forbid even though you and i are very pro-witch very (laughs) pro-witch it was just weird that uh they're able to get away with saying things like that and a huge consequence to these fake accusations by the way is homelessness so in a 2018 human rights report the u.s state department said thousands of women and children in northern ghana have been left with nowhere to live Mm. after being accused of witchcraft that's really really tragic which reminds me similarly to issues that at least we see here with people who were incarcerated now trying to find housing trying to find jobs and it's just once you're you know given a label that intense it's really hard to uphill battle exactly 
That same 2018 report said that there were six witch camps and right now there's five. So within the last few years, one of them has been shut down, which is that's good, which is nice. But in that 2018 report, when there were six witch camps, there were 2000 to 2500 women and (gasps) 1000 to 1200 children in them. And that's a huge difference from 2021, where there was only 500 women and 40 men. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that the 498 women and 50 men or whatever were all between their 50s and 70s. So I guess there are hopefully no more children in these. Camps. I, that's what it sounds like. Maybe the one which camp that closed Got, down was the one yeah. that had all the kids in it. I don't know. Yeah. And better news, that same 2021 report from the Sine Institute reported that two of the camps, like I said, were shut down in 2014 and 2019. Okay. So as of 2014, there were seven camps. As of 2019, there were six camps. And now there are five camps. Okay. Getting there. So we're getting there. We're getting there. Coming up, I do have some good news on what's currently being done to bring an end to these camps. So we should move from seven to six to five to zero. All right, Christine, what is being done? Very excited to talk. This is the one part I'm happy to discuss when it comes to this topic. So there have been serious calls for churches and mosques to speak out against the camps with big public campaigns, mainly from the executive director of the Sine Institute that I mentioned earlier. And he called on the National Commission for Civic Education to pull together as many organizations as they could to partner on that campaign and use existing laws to expose their harmful cultural practices and violence against women. Okay, I'm on board. Let's do it. And he also wants Parliament to pass a law against witchcraft accusations in Ghana and create a legal framework to prosecute offenders and find justice for victims. That is a step I hadn't thought of, of prosecuting those or Mm -hmm. at least, you know, kind of calling out or doing something, making it an offense to actually accuse someone of this rather than making it like just a a harmless one and done thing. I hadn't thought about that either, which is so wild because... We've talked about witch trials enough in our lifetime Mm -hmm, (laughs) between mm -hmm. you and me that the fact that that's never come across my mind. I think I'm just so used to history telling me that like, oh, you just get away with that. And so you just say it and it didn't even occur to me steps in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Didn't even occur to me that they could also be accused of like putting someone in danger. Yeah. Prosecuted in some way. Yeah. I guess endangerment might be the first step of being like, you literally are. You knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, And on top of that, even further, the same executive director is trying to find a way to successfully integrate victims back into their communities. That's what I was afraid of, because we're talking about these camps shutting down and these children not being in camps anymore. But then there was also that statistic about homelessness. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. well, you know, there has to be a solution on the other side, on the other end. Well, it almost becomes a situation where it's like they might not that they would prefer to live in the witch camps, but they might have nowhere else to go. So it's right feels more of a confidence booster or instilling hope that, hey, you don't have to be stuck here or pick the streets and that's it, you know? Right, right. In 2005, Action Aid Ghana, which is a branch of an international nonprofit focused on fighting poverty and injustice, they put together a group of organizations to help provide basic services, including helping educate and improve women's self-confidence and teaching them about their rights. So they're just doing it all. 
And then in, four years later, in June 2009, Action Aid put together a network of alleged witches to give a voice to the accused. Oh, interesting. I love that idea. Seriously. I hope it's going well for them because it sounds like it's such a necessary part of this to have people with the lived experience be able to, one, meet each other, be able to network with each other and help each other out, but also teach the rest of the community like this is what's going on. These are what it's been like. That's fascinating. That's such a great idea. Especially when it comes to future policymaking, they can say, like, this is what I needed to yes. feel protected or how Testify I needed to get out. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the goal is with the Sine Institute, it was to get them out of the camps and safely reintegrated into society, which is a complex process for many of the women. Because, I mean, can you imagine getting accused by your town and now you're just going to go back to that town like nothing happened or you have to no you now have to go to holiday dinners with the family that accused you of witchcraft (laughs) so right so it is a super complex process to for them to be reintegrated into society because many of them don't want to face their family and communities after being accused of witchcraft and not just the people who directly accuse them but they're now in a space where they have this reputation Mm -hmm. and they now Mm -hmm. have to face the trauma from the stigma of being an alleged witch and just hoping totally. that they can skate through life. Yeah. And also, that's why I also really like the idea of that network of alleged witches, because if you don't feel safe in a certain area, maybe someone else knows of a place that's safe for you to move back to. Or Yes, I love the use of the word network. Like, it just sounds like a, a much more supportive phrase than just like a list. Like, it's just a network with people you could maybe reach out to. But I also imagine if you've been in a witch camp for long enough, they become your family anyway. So it's a nice way to, I would imagine, stay in touch or be able to still find each other if you need another person in your life. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I haven't gone through it. But as an outsider, it sounds like it's a good thing. Action Aid's 2008 survey found that 40 percent of women who went back home from their camps ended up back in them after getting Mm -hmm. accused again. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I didn't know how to bring that one in. But I mean, how horrible is that? That like you had to go through all of this and now it's happening a second time. Oh, my goodness. Talk about lose, lose. And the Presbyterian Church also has a campaign called the Go Home Project that's helped over a thousand women return home since 1994. So oh, that's good. That's at least helpful. And currently, Action Aid and the Go Home Project work together to at least improve conditions in the camps. So if you have oh, to be, that's a good at, start. Yeah, I guess it's helpful to like, well, sure, fix the I mean, issues inside the camp at the very least. Make sure that there's drinking water and people are, you know, not sure, not yeah. being forced into labor at seventy years old. Ooh, that's scary. But at least those things are happening, and it sounds like it's working because some of these surveys happened in the early 2000s and since then at least two more camps have shut down completely and now there's great only five left as of a year ago hopefully next year it's it's four or none Zero. so yeah <laughs> but wow those are the witch camps of ghana i'm sorry it was a dark topic but it is an important topic especially for two people who talk about witchcraft so often so. absolutely it's definitely an important topic and you know i'm almost like ashamed I didn't know about it. I mean, it's scary that it's still, you know, prevalent. I guess another good step is learning and teaching people about it and, you know, getting the information out there because how else would you know this was going on? 
I feel like I don't need to ask for your official takeaway, but I can probably guess for both of us that it's awful that it exists to this day because it really does usually feel so removed when we talk about any version of witch trials or witch Mm -hmm. persecution and the fact that it's still happening. It's just really nice to know that there are efforts to have it handled. Yes, thankfully, because it really does feel like an echo of (laughs) so many stories we've already told, but, you know, a modern one. So, yeah, yeah, let's let's get those shut down. Hopefully it is the last of its kind and we don't have to worry about this any longer. We can hope. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Information on today's episode came from Global Sisters Report, Witchcraft and Violence in Ghana, an assessment by Shayla Roxburg, Action Aid, the Sine Institute, the BBC, and the U.S. Department of State Office of International Religious Freedom. Remember to follow Rituals on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. And you can listen to this and all other episodes of Rituals for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. You can find me at BM Schultz. And you can find me at Xteen Schiefer. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Rituals is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. Fact checking by Cheyenne Lopez. Research by Chelsea Wood. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Jonathan Ratliff, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Christine Schiefer and M. Schultz. Mm-hmm.